0: Hi, my name is Mark Riggins, and I'm the senior pastor here at LifePoint Church. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like a little more information about our church, check out lpchurch.us. I hope today's message is an encouragement to you. Well, good morning, and uh, it's so good to see you as we kind of kick off this new series, IDK, A Guide to Better Decisions. Before we do that, I just wanted to pause real quick and look back and celebrate what God did with us and through our church last week, LifePoint. We came together and we sort of combined two campuses so that we could celebrate Easter together as one family, and it was such a special day last week. As we uh, were at our Rock Hill campus, and you guys were so generous to go up there and be part of that day, and we had so many volunteers who worked so hard to help make that special day happen. Full auditorium, we had, uh, our parking lot was full, the overflow parking lot was full, and and then uh, folks spilled over into the back of the building and were kind enough to walk around. But here's the best thing that we know that happened. Lots of first-time families came and were part of that. But the best thing that happened was nine different people let us know that they surrendered their life to Jesus for the very first time. Amen? Isn't that great? Amen. And I, before we jump in today, there's one other thing I wanted to mention that's so special, and that is, she doesn't know I'm going to do this so I can see her. B. Ramirez is in the very back, and on Wednesday is her, can you just wave, B, so we can kind of see you? Uh, there she is, the very back, Wednesday is her 95th birthday, and in that special, yeah. What I love is her small group has decided to go and, and uh, they've given, is this already happened? I'm not breaking news. Okay, then I'm not gonna share. They're doing something cool. How's that? Oh, it's public. 95 different birthday cards from different people to celebrate her, so that's pretty cool. Well, today we're kicking off uh, this new series, and Ben, if you were here at the beginning, our student pastor said one of his most difficult decisions is Where does he go to lunch after church? And for most of us, that's probably not as high on the list as it is for Ben, although I appreciate that that's high on his list. I wanted to tell you about the hardest decision I've made, or at least one of the hardest that I ever wrestled with, and that is, do I get married or not? Like for me, I, the first time, I mean, 20, almost 27 years later, marrying Ginger is one of the best decisions I have ever made in my life. In fact, the first time I saw her in 1993 was at church on a Wednesday night. I was in the Air Force at the time. I went back to the base that night, and I told my friends, I saw my future wife tonight. I was, this was the one for me. And yet, when it was game time to actually propose and to make the Like decision? For me, I began to wrestle with this question. It's a question many of us have wrestled with in our life and that is, can we know God's will and if so, how? What I was wrestling with was, I love her, but is it God's will for me to marry her? And I don't know about you, but in that moment, I began to wrestle with this decision. I was like having all this angst, the sleepless nights, lots of prayer, and yet I was still unsure. I didn't know what to do. So you know what I did? I volunteered to go serve one entire year in South Korea so that I could get alone with God and find the answer to this question Am I is it God's will for me to marry ginger? And the truth is, like I was thinking I wanted to be like Moses in the Old Testament and go to the hill on Mount Sinai and like, you know, get the Ten Commandments, except I just wanted a yes or no from God and so this is what i I volunteered to go over there for a year and here's what happened on day one day one i had a crystal clear clarity that god wanted me or that i wanted to marry ginger and i thought he was totally okay with it and it wasn't because god wrote it in the sky it wasn't because i read a verse it wasn't because some divine wisdom the truth is i just had a profound awareness of my separation from her and I didn't want that anymore. I was like, no, we we gotta be together for the rest of my life. And I figured that out on day one. So I said, hey, look, I'm good, I can go back now. And Uncle Sam said, oh, no, 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 no. You got 364 more days. Then you can go back, which is what I did. And two weeks later, we got married. Now, I don't know about you, but if you're facing a big decision, you probably don't want to have to move to another country for an entire year in order to discern what is God's will for your life. And so that's why we're going to spend this time going through this series because this gets kind of complicated. You know how it also gets complicated? Because some Bible scholars will tell you, the Bible doesn't even, like God doesn't even care. Nowhere in scripture does it tell us to search for God's will in our daily decisions. Nowhere does it tell us that, that he cares what car you buy or even what house you buy. And, and maybe God is just saying, look, Buy the house, take the job you want to take, but when you get there, make sure you serve me. And so all of a sudden it's like, well, which is it? It feels confusing. And if you talk to one parent, they'll say this. If you talk to another friend over here, they'll say it's this way. Or if you talk, go to this church or if you read this book, because there's plenty of books out there on God's will and discovering it, they're all giving us conflicting advice. And it's like, well, what does the Bible really teach about how we know God's will? I'm facing a decision. I want to know what he wants me to do. How do I discern what that really is? And we keep coming back to this age old question can we really know God's will and if so how because some of you are facing a decision about your retirement you're facing a decision about your health you're facing your kids your grandkids your business about your life and you're wanting to know you need to know God's will well if it helps this is kind of one of those questions that have frustrated Human beings since the very beginning. In fact, you may have read in antiquity, there, there would be military generals and, and kings and queens and political leaders who would, who would kind of uh, invite the, the wisdom of the oracles, right? And they would go and say, okay, what is the wisdom of all the gods say? And when they were convinced that the gods were approving their plan, then they would march forward into battle. The problem was, a lot of times they would march forward into battle and lose, And it was like, well, wait a minute, I thought we saw it and we got confirmation, and yet here we are with all this loss. And so it was around 300 BC, as you read history, you will see that the oracles kind of went out of business. Like it wasn't a real good career path, because so many times they were certain they were right, and then they ended up losing the battle. And people still, despite all of that... We still want wisdom from a higher power. That's why we see all this stuff with, with astrology and with magic eight balls and fortune tellers. Like we're trying to go, I just don't want to make a bad decision. I don't want to have regret. And so we're constantly trying to figure out this age old question, it, can I know God's will? And if so, How? And that's what this series is about. We're going to open God's word, and we're going to see what God has to say on this. And if you know of someone who's wrestling with a decision, they're facing a major decision, you just invite them to come and be part of the series, and so we can walk through this together. And and the way we're going to walk through this today is a little bit different. Normally, if you're new, I just want you to know, we normally open the Bible, and we'll go through a significant part of scripture today what we're going to do is we're going to take a theme and we're going to see how scripture walks us through that theme and here's why because sometimes we need to stop and do almost more of a systematic theology and understand what does the bible say about this one thing and that's what we're going to do today in answering this question can I know God's will and if so how? If you got your Bibles, turn with me to Proverbs chapter 3. This is a familiar verse. In fact, we made this our memory verse just a couple of series ago. Proverbs chapter 3, and we're going to look together at verse 5 and 6. In fact, what I want to do is ask you to say this out loud with me. And, uh, and then we're going to build on this as we go throughout the service. So say this verse out loud with me. Repeat this with me. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. Now, that last part of that verse is the promise that God gives you and me in answer to our age old question. It's highlighted here. Would you just say this out loud with me? He will make your path straight. In other words, he will make things clear. He will make things obvious. When you're searching for the future, you're wondering what God's desire is, your will is, he will make it obvious. He will make it clear. He will make your path straight. So I'm like, good. So the answer to the question is yes. And then the obvious answer, the next question is, how? How do I then know what the straight path is? And the Bible, as you go through it, you will see the Bible over and over again talk about God's will in three different categories. And I just want you to know, this next slide is going to set the stage for the entire series. No matter when you look in the Bible, when you see God's will, it's in one of these three categories. And they are the providential will of God, the moral will of God, and the Personal will of God. If you were to do like a a word search of scripture, every time you saw God's will, it would fall into one of these three categories. It's why it's so important. See, you and I, when we think, can I know God's will? You know what we're thinking? Personal, street level. I want to know who to marry. I want to know what job to take. I want to know about these decisions I'm facing right now. Personal. Then there's the moral will of God. We'll talk about that in a minute. It's like the 15,000 foot view. And then there's the providential will of God, like the 30,000-foot view. These are all repeatedly talked about in Scripture and referred to as God's will. So let's look at those, and then we're gonna get to the one that you really care about, the personal will of God. But we've gotta understand the other two because they work in concert, and you cannot search out the personal will of God while avoiding the other two if you wanna have a life of following him and making decisions and hearing his voice. God's will begins with the providential will of God. What exactly is the providential will of God? It's the things God's gonna do no matter what. Like you don't have to pray about this. You don't have to wonder about this. You don't even have to participate in this. The good news is you can't mess this up. You can't help it along. You are just simply, you're simply a passenger on the providential will of God's ship. The reality is this is something God is going to do No matter what. In fact, we celebrated an example of this last weekend. It might even be the ultimate example the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Think about that. That was his providential will. And yet, mankind, our contribution to that was we created the worst uh, act in human history in crucifying and betraying and uh, a mock trial, all the things we did to participate in it, and yet we still couldn't stop. His providential will. We weren't in any way participating in a way that made it happen. We weren't necessary for it, and we couldn't stop it. This is revealed in Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. Look what it says. But when the time, the set time, set by who? By God, had fully come, so he was, it was always his calendar, God sent his son. We didn't pray about it and make it happen. He was just doing it. Born of a woman born under the law to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption in sonship. The reality is God said I'm going to send my son to redeem the world and no one can stop it. And here's the really good news. That means that you and I, we cannot stop and nothing can thwart God's providential will. I don't know about you, but that's really good news. He sits on the throne as the Lord, and we get to rest in knowing his will moves forward. No matter how much of a knucklehead I am, he continues to move this world forward in the way as he sees fit. Another example of this is found later in Revelation chapter 20, when we are told that one day all of us will stand before him and be judged for our deeds That is going to happen. I don't have to pray about it. I don't have to behave in a certain way, so I qualify for it. This is going to happen no matter what. God is just going to do it. It's his providential will. I love in the book, uh, A.W. Tozer's book, The Knowledge of the Holy, which is an absolute classic that I keep coming back to throughout my life. If you're always wanting to know more about the characteristics of God and who he is, the knowledge of the holy by A.W. Tozer, is such a great book, and in that he talks about the providential will of God under the banner of the sovereignty of God, and he specifically uses the illustration of a cruise ship to illustrate the providential will of God. In other words, it's as if a cruise ship is leaving New York City, headed toward London, and in that cruise ship, the cruise ship itself is the providential will of God. It has a predetermined destination. It has a predetermined course. But on that cruise ship are a lot of passengers, and that's us, and these passengers on this cruise ship have all kinds of freedom. They get to choose who they're gonna uh, you know, do the day with. They get to uh, decide what they're gonna eat, what they're gonna drink, the entertainment that they're gonna enjoy. They have all the freedom. However, their freedom is enjoyed within the limits of the providential will of God, the ship as it continues forward, and their behavior cannot alter the course or the direction of the ship. This is the providential will of God. He has come to redeem mankind, and one day we will all be judged, and nothing changes that. And that, I believe, is great news. There's a real important... um, Element to this that we've got to understand. Even though none of God's providential will depends on me, like he doesn't need me for any of these things, here's the beauty of our God. He chooses to use us to accomplish his providential will. I mean, think about Abraham. Abraham in the Old Testament, in Genesis chapter 12, God came to him and said, I am going to form a nation through whom the Messiah will eventually come. And guess what, Abraham? I choose you to accomplish my providential will. Pretty cool. And then we go all the way to the New Testament and we see Mary, and Mary was told by an angel, God sent this angel to say to Mary, Mary, you are going to have a child, and that child is going to grow up and become the redeemer of mankind's sins. God is planning to do this no matter what, and you can't stop it, and he's choosing to use you to accomplish His providential will. God uses us. So when we want the personal will of God, that ground street level, it's really important that we're familiar with the 30,000-foot level, the providential will of God and what it is he's up to. And the more familiar we are with the providential will, the easier it is to discern his personal will. But that isn't the only will. It's the other one. It's the moral will of God. And this is the part that we probably like least if we're honest, and that is the commands of God. These are the do's and the don'ts. This is the thou shalt and the thou shalt not. So the first will of God is the providential will of God. And say it with me, the second will of God is the moral. Just making sure you're with me. Good, the moral will of God. Here's a great example. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians chapter four and verse three, he said, it is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality. So here's what's important to know. There are certain things you don't have to pray about. God has just already answered these things in his moral will, in the do's and the don'ts and the thou shalt and the thou shalt nots. For example, God will never, if you're married, God will never send you someone other than your spouse. If you're not married, God will never send you someone else's spouse. You don't have to wonder about that. He's already answered that in his moral will, the do's and the don'ts. And he wants us to remain morally pure. So how does this impact what we really want to know, the personal will of God, the ground street, like we want to make these decisions, the impending things that you're facing right now? Well, the more surrendered you are, I am to the moral will of God, then the easier it is to discern the personal will of God. These things just work hand in hand. And then we get to the one that we all care about the most, and that is the personal will of God. Here it is. The personal will of God is, should I marry her? Do I buy this house? Am I going to make that investment? What about my business? What about this hire? What about this employee? What do I do in these decisions? Well, the the good news is God cares about the personal stuff too. In fact, Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians 1, 1, the very first verse of this great book, He says, Paul called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the, say those next three words with me, will of God. In other words, God has a will for me, He has a vision for me, and He wanted Paul to know it. Here's the good news God has a vision for you, and He wants you to know it. And Paul is saying, personally, God has revealed to me the direction, He has made my path straight. It's good news. God cares about the personal stuff too. Now here, if you get nothing else, ah, I hope that you will get this. This is how the three of these work together. We care about the personal will of God. I care about it. Get it. But there's a much bigger picture here. Here's how they work together in unison. The more familiar you are with God's providential will, this is the do's and don'ts. I mean, this is the he's gonna do it anyway stuff. This is the ship, Right? The more surrendered we are to God's moral will, this is the do's and don'ts, then the easier it is to determine the personal will of God. But it starts here. You can't skip one and two in order to get to three. I I sure want to. It's one and two, then three. It's the reality of how the will of God is unveiled in our life. And that means time in God's word and with God's people helps me get to the personal will of God which is what I'm ultimately after. Providential will of God. What is he up to? What is he doing? Moral will of God. What has he already revealed? And when I'm submitted and surrendered to those two things then the personal will of God is an outflow of that. Now, Most of us think that the most difficult part of knowing God's will is getting him to reveal it to us. But the truth is that is not the most difficult part. The most difficult part of knowing God's will is for us to follow through on the providential and the moral will. Because we want to jump to, I want to jump to the personal will. This is what I'm after. This is what my heart is is longing for and it feels like sometimes it's a cat and mouse game doesn't it like is God just trying to keep it from me is it a game like a divine game he's playing but God isn't hiding his will from you think about it God is the one who sent you his son to die on a cross he's not holding anything back from you his love and heart is with you he wants you to know he does have a vision for your life and he does want you to know it it's important that you know it, it's important to him. But here's our tendency, if we're honest, and this is where it turns, and this is where we're gonna get a little personal. Here's our tendency. Our tendency is, God, would you show me your will so I can consider it, right? I mean, I'm right, yeah? God, give me, reveal it to me, because I got some options on the table, and I'd like to know what you think, too. Like, I'm curious, you seem pretty, pretty wise, You know, you've got a pretty good track record. I I wouldn't mind hearing what you're thinking. Doesn't mean I'm going to do it, but I'd like to at least know what it is. But God does not give direction for consideration. God gives direction for obedience. Let me push it a little further. Most people don't really want to know God's will. We say we do, but the truth is, most people just want to consider God's will. And that makes all the difference in the world. You see, if you want advice, my recommendation is to ask your parents or your friends. But God is not in the advice business God is in the lordship business. And that's a very different thing. And this is where I come to God like a fortune teller. God, what do you want me to do so that I can consider it? But if you're going to send me to be a missionary somewhere, well, all bets are off, right? But God is in the lordship business. He's in the follow me with all your heart business, He actually wants that from us more than he wants us to know his will. And that's where the gap comes. I just want to know what you think, God, and I'm more than willing to consider it. And that's where the gap is. I don't know about you, but one of the things I've noticed is it tends to be broken people find it easier to discern and discover God's will. There are a lot of examples in the scripture, but I can't think of any that is clearer than Jesus Himself. Toward the end of his life on earth when Jesus went to that famous place the Garden of Gethsemane just across the Kendron Valley there in Jerusalem where he was betrayed and and abandoned essentially by his closest followers the disciples and all of a sudden he falls on his knees with the weight of the world on his shoulder hours from his own crucifixion taking on my sins and yours and in falling on his knees he prays to God God would you take this cup from me and then he says Three times he prayed this. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. It was an absolute model of surrender. When he taught his disciples how to pray, remember he said, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done is the daily submission to his lordship over every decision in my life. And I don't know about you, but I remember growing up, I had the privilege of growing up in church, and as a little kid, I would look around a room like this, and there were people who, because I had gone to that church, I would know the brokenness in their story. And I remember as a little boy, watching other people talk about the brokenness of having loss in their life, of having brokenness in their heart, and they would come with tears and they would just talk about, oh, but I want this to draw me closer to God. And I would think, wait, what? You know, I'm thinking, God, do you want me to do the things I want to do? And they're over here with so much more brokenness saying, oh, God, bring me closer to you through this season. And I remember there were certain songs we would sing that would reflect this heart, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done, that would reflect. That would that would model this idea of greater dependence on God, that would, that would be this idea of being yielded and still instead of being chasing and pursuing. And there was one song, though, as a little boy, I remember looking around a room like this as a little boy, and I would see people sometimes cry when they would sing this kind of haunting song. And I knew it was redirecting their heart, and they were just praying it maybe aspirationally, but they would just be lifting their hearts and singing, Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Thou art the potter. I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will. While I am waiting, yielded and still. It was as if you could just see their hearts shift. Where they would go, God, I want to be more dependent on you. It's not, God, I'm not looking for your wisdom. God, I'm asking you to help me submit more to you. That's a different kind of prayer, isn't it? And this is what I want us to do. I think what these Christians of old and through the last thousands of years have been learning and they're teaching us is what Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is really saying. I want us to see it again, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Our temptation, where the dot, dot, dot is, it says, he will make your path straight, and we go, yes. But it's, the, it's all the disclaimers before the promise that I find myself skipping over, and I want you to see it today. This is the have thine own way, Lord. This is the nevertheless not my will, but thy will be done. This is the God no matter what, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Trust. Trust. Oh, that's hard. That means there's stuff I don't know. In the Lord, He's on His throne and His providential will moves forward. God, I trust you with all your heart. This isn't, I want to leave options open just in case I get a better offer. No, this is with all your heart. You lean not on your own understanding. This is more than you can figure out. This is when there aren't enough pros and cons lists, there aren't enough decision trees for you to manufacture the right decision. You're not leaning on your own understanding, but in all your ways, God, I am focused on you exclusively, no matter what others say, no matter what culture says, all my ways, I will submit to you. I will surrender and I'm not looking just for a decision. I'm asking you, God, to help me submit to you in a deeper way. And when we come to that place in our hearts, that's our own garden of Gethsemane, he will make your path straight. He will make your path straight. It turns out, for most of us, This is a different place to be. And when we say, well, you know, I I, want to get there. Here's a a simple commitment you could even make today. You, You could just say, while I'm searching for the directions in one part of my life, I will follow him in the directions the known directions in the other part of my life. And you might say, well, that sounds good, but what are the known directions? What is the known will of God that I'm supposed to already know? If you're new, you're like, hey, do you guys have a secret code I don't know about? What is the known will of God? Well, I'm, I love this question because Jesus summarized the entire Old Testament in one simple set of commandments. It's in Mark chapter 12 and it begins in verse 30 where Jesus actually says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Do this, whatever you do, this is the pursuit of your life. This is the priority and nothing should ever be the priority over that. If you do nothing else, this is the known will of God for your life. Second, he says in verse 31, the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. Second priority, and if anything else ever tops number two or number one, then we're out of whack and we're not doing the providential and moral will of God. This is the known will of God. And trust me, if you're like me, this is going to keep me busy for the rest of my life trying to figure this out and trying to love him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love my neighbor as myself. And the truth is, most of us, we fear making a bad decision more than we fear Failing to love God and to love our neighbors. And that's the problem. And that's why in this series, I want to invite you to memorize this one passage. And In order to memorize it, you just come each week and you'll have it by the end. It's Proverbs chapter one, verse seven. And it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but fools despise wisdom and instructions. Proverbs one and seven. Proverbs one, seven. Would you say that out loud with me? Say it with me. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, But fools despise wisdom and instruction, Proverbs 1, 7. So back to our original question. Can I know God's will and how? The promise of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is yes. Two chapters later, yes, you can know God's will. But how? How can I know God's will? And here's the takeaway. Here's the bottom line of today's message. That when you surrender to the known will of God, which we just talked about, love God and love people, it paves the way to the unknown will of God. Think about this. Abraham, we referenced earlier in the Old Testament in his story, he was told, you will have a child and that child you will form a nation. And he goes, okay, that's the known will of God. I'm going to trust you and believe you and I'm going to act on it. I'm going to move all the way across over to Canaan, all the way to what would eventually become Israel. What he didn't know was how he was going to have a child because he was kind of old, his wife was old, that didn't make any sense to him, but he was faithful in what was known and then God eventually paved the way for what was unknown. In the same way Mary, remember her story, she was told that she was going to have a child and that child would eventually be the savior of the world. Okay, that's what I know. What I don't know is as an unmarried virgin young woman, how am I going to have, that's the unknown. So here's the known and while she trusted the known and she leaned into that and was obedient, It paved the way to the unknown. And this is how God repeatedly works in our life. And they grew to to know God more because they followed him even with what they didn't know. And it turns out God is more interested in you knowing him than knowing his will. That's why I love this Philip Yancey quote where he says, I do not get to know God and then discover his will, I do God's will and I get to know him. I'm following him and in that I discover God's will. All right, so where do we go from here? What do we do when I want to hear from God but I'm not wanting to move to South Korea for a year? How do I hear his voice with an impending decision? The best thing I can... Recommend based on what we've looked at throughout scripture today is if you will get your, line, your life in line with God, the personal will of God will become more clear. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, in all your ways, submit to Him, then He will make your path straight. Most of us, there's enough that we know to do that will keep us busy, and in doing that, we then discover his will. If you're new here and you may be thinking, well, man, I was hoping to really get some answers. Listen, the greatest invitation we can give you is a relationship with God, and you can seek him, submit to him, and follow him, and he will make your paths straight. This is when we get to the place where we say, God, I got all these options, but I want your will More than anything on the table. Can you get there? Can you get to the place where you say, God, I want your will more than whether or not I move to Austin or stay here? God, I want your will whether or not I marry him or. Stay unmarried. God, I want your will more than whether or not I should take that job or stay where I am. I want your, all the options that are on the table, the thing that I want the most is your will. I want to submit to you and know you more and glorify you and love you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. I want to love my name. I want to be about that more than anything on the table. And when we get to that place, and we acknowledge him, then he will make our paths straight. Now, You might be here and you say, Mark, that's great. 15,000, 30,000 foot view. I am so street level. I not only have a decision to make, I got a deadline. So can you kind of give me a shortcut, right? Can you give me, what do you do when you got to make a decision and you have a deadline? Like when seconds count, what do I do when I've got to make a real decision and I got to make it quick? Isn't there a shortcut? And here's the really good news. There absolutely is. Come back next week and that's exactly what we're going to talk about. Okay. (laughs) Invite somebody and we're going to dive into that very thing. In the meantime, surrender to God's known will and it paves the way to God's unknown will. Let me give you these three questions as we wrap up. First, how would you evaluate your own desire to know God's wisdom? Is it, hey, I just wanna put it on the table, one of my considerations, or are you at that place of brokenness where you say, God, no matter what you say, I'm gonna say yes. Secondly, he says, Jesus says, love God, love others. What is at least one way you are living out God's will for your life? What are some ways you can demonstrate that you are doing exactly that? And finally, and this is the real honest one, is there an area in your own life where you are not surrendered? And you know it. Maybe you even feel a little angst or or, or a little invitation, a gentle nudge from God, that this is an opportunity to take a step forward in your relationship with your wonderful Creator. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for loving us, for sending your son Jesus in your providential will to die on a cross pay for my sins, our sins, and then to miraculously rise from the dead. We celebrate Resurrection Sunday every Sunday. We thank you, God. And God, in this we know there are certain things in your providential will you're going to do no matter what. You've revealed your moral will and we are seeking your personal will. But God, help us to get to that place of submission where we acknowledge you with all our heart. And then we trust that you will make our paths straight. We love you, Father, and today we resubmit our hearts to you. And I pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen.